It is Friday, and as is my custom, I want to wish you a very happy Friday and to uh, thank all of you that support Into the Word financially. And uh, I'm going to make this invitation to any of you that would be interested in doing so, might be prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so, to write down the contact information you'll hear at the end of the program today. And then you can send your one-time or ongoing gift of any amount whatsoever to that address, and it will be applied to the costs that are uh, incurred to keep this program on this radio station. Thank you for taking care of that. Uh, You also know that I urge you to be very active in a local body of believers, Everybody needs a home church, and everybody needs to be involved in that home church regularly. Now, that brings me around to my thank you today for this first week in uh, 2024. Uh, And my thank you is for the church at the Elkhart East Christian Church. Uh, I've been uh, working with them. Uh, since uh, 2008. Uh, So we've been at this for about 15 years. And uh, I don't know how much longer uh, I have uh, on the table uh, to continue that work. But uh, as long as God gives me strength, I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep on preaching and teaching and and, uh, meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ and doing all of that. Uh, these folks at Elkhart East are uh, very big supporters of uh, the End of the Word radio ministry. I know several of them are Bible students themselves, and uh, they also promote it uh, whenever they get the opportunity. Uh, so um, if you happen to be in driving distance of the Elkhart East building and you're looking for a place to call your spiritual home, your church home, then please come check us out. Maybe we can be the place that you'll settle down and call home. I want you to open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Verse number 12 is where I want to uh, roll back to as we engage today. Uh, Peter is writing this letter, I believe, in the very beginning of 64. I think he's at Rome. He's probably not been there terribly long. I think he probably went there uh, during the latter half of 63 uh, to kind of be the apostle on site uh, in the capital city of the empire uh, now that Paul has left there. And uh, Peter is writing back uh, to churches and individual Christians in what we call Turkey today. Uh, This is a region I think he passed through, maybe did a little ministry in, uh, and it's also an area that Paul had done a lot of work in. And so Peter is, he wrote his first letter and now he's writing his second letter because he wants that group and any other group uh, within, you know, the region of the world that might get a hold of this letter, to live the Christian lifestyle, to understand 
the whys and wherefores of Christianity. And so when Peter is writing this, I think he's likely in his late 60s, more likely, I think, in his early 70s. And we know that 30-some years earlier, Jesus had told him that when he was an old man, he was going to uh, find himself being dressed uh, in a, in a, by other people and his hands stretched out uh, and he would be taken to a place that he didn't necessarily want to go. Uh, John, when he writes his gospel, will record this incident and will say that by this, Jesus signified the type of death that was going to happen to Peter. And uh, we know historically that it, it was crucifixion when he was an older man. Uh, so Peter took that to heart, that he would die for Jesus uh, when he was an older man. And so here he is, probably um, not very far from his 70th birthday, one way or the other, maybe a few years, one way or the other of that. And he's writing this letter down, thinking any time now, this could come to pass. I could be crucified uh, for my faith. And so what happens when you're a teacher like that, when you are very cognizant uh, that you, you don't know how much longer you have to talk to your students. Um, you sometimes repeat yourself, emphasize things, and uh, write them down, record them in a durable fashion. And so Peter cites all of that uh, in these few verses here at, at the uh, middle point of, verse, of chapter number one. Second uh, Peter 1.12 says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. So I will repeat myself over and over and over again about living the Christian lifestyle, though you know them. So it's repetition helps in education. And so that's why we as teachers constantly say the same things in very similar fashion over and over again, because we're trying to burn those memory pathways into the brain. So I'm going to, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. So even though I'm pretty sure that a whole bunch of you are already committed to this, I'm going to still harp at it. I'm going to still keep going over and over about it. Verse 13, I think it right as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. So all of us that are older preacher teachers, we do repeat ourselves. I guarantee you that. We tell some of the same illustrations. We use some of the same phrases and uh, uh, memorized passages over and over and over again. Probably sometimes we make you sick uh, of repetition. But we do that because we feel so strongly we've only got so much time to burn this into the brains of those that follow us. Because as Paul said to Timothy, 
Uh, he said, the things which you have heard me teach in your presence, you need to pass on to younger men who will have the ability to pass it on to those that come after them. So all of us in ministry, all of us in preaching and teaching leadership, we are constantly thinking about how do we make sure this stuff stays going intact long after we're gone. Verse 14, Peter says, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And that's a reference to John chapter 21. Uh, We know that Peter was executed by crucifixion uh, at Rome during the Neronian persecutions that broke out after the burning of Rome in 64. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the burning of Rome uh, once we finish the book of 2 Peter, uh, because it's a historical marker uh, for some of the uh, New Testament books and some of the New Testament events. So we know Peter was probably killed, I think, in 65. Uh, And so when he's writing this letter, perhaps in early 64, he's only got maybe a year, 18 months left. Verse number 15, I will make every effort so that after my departure, so after I'm dead and gone, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Peter has written down these two letters, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, so that they will endure with his apostolic teaching long after he's gone. And they have. Here we are, uh, almost 2,000 years later, still reading, studying, and teaching from his apostolic writings. And I think we probably also ought to add to that Uh, The fact that John Mark's gospel, the gospel of Mark, uh, seems to be prompted uh, by the preaching of the apostle Peter on uh, the story of the gospel. And so those three things uh, are the enduring legacy in written form uh, from the apostle Peter. Verse number 16. Uh, Here's his testimony, which is similar to Paul's. For we did not follow clearly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul had said, we are not trying to peddle the gospel as if it were some sort of special philosophy that can only be understood with uh, mysterious insight and uh, a familiarity with top-secret information, uh, and uh, only if you have the insight of these special words and codes and things like that. Uh, Paul said, when I preach, I preach Christ crucified. Simple straight up. And so here's Peter along that same line saying, you know what? We apostles, 
we leaders in the church, we're not out there following some sort of uh, cleverly put-together fiction story when we talk to you about Jesus. What we're really doing is this. He says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Peter says, I'm talking to you about things that I know firsthand, things that I experienced. Uh, When John, the apostle, starts writing his epistles, he starts writing things like, what our hands have handled, what our eyes have seen, what our ears have heard concerning the word of life, right? So Peter is in that same vein. He's saying, we experienced the gospel story, and that's what we're sharing. It's straight up the truth of God. Verse 17, for when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, quote, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, end quote. Now, immediately, we know that he's referencing the transfiguration. Uh, When Peter's writing this, uh, the Gospel of Matthew has been circulating for probably a couple of decades. Um, We've uh, probably got Luke's Gospel uh, that's circulating out there for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Those Gospels, both of them, uh, included the transfiguration story of how Jesus went up on what I think was probably Mount Hermon, the highest mountain uh, in the Holy Land. It's just north, about a day's walk from um, from the Sea of Galilee. It's just uh, just north of Caesarea Philippi, where Peter made his great confession. Uh, I think that's where Jesus was speaking to Moses and Elijah about his coming death and resurrection and his ascension. And the apostles, Peter, James, John, they saw that that conference, that talking through the uh, through the time stream. Um, and they were shocked by it. And they wanted to make tabernacles to make it last longer. Uh, and then God overshadowed the, the form of Moses and the f- form of Elijah. And only Jesus was left. And God's voice booms out. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You listen to him. That's what Peter's talking about. And so he says, I'm not telling you made-up stories, fancy things for your thrill. I'm telling you things that we experienced firsthand that impacted us and which now impacts you. We saw the divine glory of Jesus Christ glowing out of his physical form on the mountain." We heard the voice of God the Father telling us that Jesus was his beloved son 
his perfect son. Verse 18, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter knows what he's talking about. Verse 19, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. So he talks about his gospel experience. And he says, and we've got even more of that in the word of God, the written word of God. Now, when Peter writes these things down, I think he understands that he is being prompted by the Holy Spirit to generate Scripture. Um, He is quite familiar with the 22 scrolls of God's inspired word that we, in the modern period, refer to as the Old Testament. Now, those 22 Jewish scrolls are exactly the same as our 39 Old Testament books. They just counted uh, the writing slightly different in the way that they uh, put them together. For example, the last 12 books of the Old Testament, that's one scroll. Um, Now, Peter knows that inspired word, and he says, you guys, we've got that. We've got the prophetic word, and you ought to be paying attention to it just like you would the light that's shining through the darkness. Um, Now, Peter is also aware, as I already mentioned, there's a couple of gospels already been generated uh, by the Apostle Matthew, and uh, also a gospel uh, done by Luke after he has talked to eyewitnesses. And, And Luke was also a prophet, so he is generating a prophetic work. And then we've also got uh, the writings uh, of uh, Paul that are floating around, which he will reference later as Scripture. And so what I'm trying to zero in on here is that Peter says, we need to pay attention to the Bible, all of us need to pay attention to the inspired word of God. It is the light unto our path. It is the light that shines in the darkness and guides us to God. And we need to stay focused on the word of God, Peter says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Uh, Now, The day that he's thinking about is the day of the Lord, which climaxes with the trumpet call of God, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and transformation of all of the saints of God throughout the ages. That's the day that will dawn upon us. And the morning star that's rising in our hearts... Some people are going to think of this as like the the planet Venus uh, that is with the uh, sun in the morning. You know, um, it it very often will rise ahead of the sun, and it's the brightest object in the sky at that moment. 
but I'm more prone to think of this uh, in the Malachi passage, uh, where we're talking about the bursting of dawn itself. Uh, the day star is the sun, which bursts above the horizon. And in the book of Malachi, it talks about how the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And of course, that's Jesus who makes the difference in our lives. He came the first time to save us from our sins. He's coming the second time to save us out of this fallen world and bring us into the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness exists. And so we need to stick, Peter says, with the inspired written word of God, focusing on that information until it's all brought to its climax with the second coming of Jesus. And then he gives this information about inspired scripture. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, and understand that the word Scripture literally, literally means writing. So, no prophecy of the written Word of God comes from someone's own interpretation. So, when Moses wrote down, for example, the book of Deuteronomy, he wasn't just making that up out of his head. He was passing on information given to him by God. And he didn't get to decide what that information meant. He was basically just passing it on. Uh, verse 21 makes that clear. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you hear me talk about the inspired word of God all the time. That means that the Holy Spirit has generated this information into the hearts of certain individuals, causing that to be put down into writing. And this has become what we know today as the Bible. And none of us get to manipulate that in whatever way we feel like. Our responsibility, and that's why we spend so much time here on Into the Word trying to understand what the, the authentic meaning of the text is. We have to understand what God intended, not what we want it to mean, but what did God mean by it. Uh, because it's not about us, it's about Him, and so let's read that one more time. The verses 20 and 21 is a reminder here that Bible study is all about discovering what God wanted us to know. So he says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So any Bible study you're ever involved in, whether it's, you know, radio, television, in-person at church, home Bible study, a book Bible study, small group, whatever it is you do by podcast, 
the person leading it, the information that's being provided outside of the boundaries of the text itself, needs to be focused on the idea of what did God want us to know? And once you find that out, the next question is, now, what do we do with that information? How do we apply it? And so that's what we try to do here uh, with Into the Word every time uh, we come together. Now, this is all important uh, because the other side is causing trouble. Chapter number two, Peter says, but, so this is in contrast to what he's just written, but false prophets also arose among the people. So back in the past, false prophets were generating their garbage right alongside God's word. And as we read through the Old Testament and then we read through the New Testament, we can see that happening. Uh, that uh, when God's word is pumped out, Satan and his bunch will try to put out a counterfeit, try to put out a counterpoint, will try to put out distraction of false information, uh, some way of causing trouble to God's word. And then Peter says, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, Paul warned about this too, didn't he? And we'll see that Jude warns about it. Uh, all of the folks that are involved in the teaching of the Word of God will constantly say, you have to watch out for false teachers because they will be trying to work against the Word of God. Peter goes on to say, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Now, a heresy is all focused on this idea of rah-rah for our team, rah-rah for our political group, or in this case, rah-rah for our, our take on what needs to happen. And so, in this case, they have deviated from the Scripture, uh, and they are going to screw things up uh, by promoting their junk. And Peter says, they will even be denying the master who bought them, bringing themselves swift destruction. So they will even challenge the identity and the ministry of Jesus himself. They will challenge his words and his activity as if uh, they know better than what Jesus himself taught and what his apostles taught uh, from him. Well, we are out of time and we're out of week. Have a great weekend. See you next time we get into God's inspired word.